where we read these words. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now tonight we're going to come to the first petition uh, in this model prayer, the disciples' prayer. Uh, the words, hallowed be your name. You remember last week we considered, not last week, but last time, we considered uh, our Father in heaven. And so tonight we come to the first of the, of the petitions in this prayer, and that is the petition, hallowed be your name. Now, modern translations usually replace phrases like this one, hallowed be your name. Uh, but this particular phrase is so famous and well-established and widely known that none of the Bible translators, whether it's the ESV or the New American Standard or whatever new version, none, none of them have uh, quite enough nerve uh, to change such a, a famous statement. And so we still have this old language uh, that follows us even into the newer versions of our of our New Testaments. They leave it uh, as it has been for centuries, the words, hallowed be your name, even though that is uh, antiquated language. We don't use the word hallowed uh, anymore in our regular speech. If we were going to retranslate it, we would say something like, sanctify your name or let your name be holy. Now, the word hallowed, uh, the word to hallow, comes from a Greek verb that means to sanctify or to make holy. It's the word that we see just all over the New Testament whenever we see words like saint, sanctified, holy, holiness that occurs hundreds of times in our New Testament. Those are all variations of this word, the word hallowed in our verse. Its basic meaning is to be separate, to be set apart, to be distinct from the ordinary or profane, to be dedicated for a special purpose. God is holy, holy, holy. We could say he's not ordinary, not ordinary, not ordinary, or he's unique, 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 or he's separate, separate, separate. God's holiness, uh, I think, can best be understood as the otherness of God. Now, God is intrinsically holy, and when we say, hallowed be your name, we are not praying, God, you're not holy, but we're praying that you would be holy. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, but just to say uh, up front that that's not what we're saying when we pray, hallowed be your name. Now, other things derive their holiness when they are set apart by God. The Holy One makes other things holy. For example, the temple is made holy because God sets that apart and sanctifies it for his own purposes. Or his living temple, the church, is made up of what? Saints. We are saints. We are the holy ones because God has made us holy. And so we're not intrinsically holy, but we are made holy uh, because God has set us apart uh, for his special purposes. But like God... God's name is intrinsically holy. A thing is not only holy when it's set apart 
by God and for God. But when we sanctify something in our minds, it is holy in the sense that it is revered by us. It is honored by us. It is respected by us. It is considered different and holy by us. Then when our verse says, your name, hallowed be your name, we should always remember that the name of God is not a label. Uh, in ancient times, uh, a name was significant in ways that is not true for us today. Often a person's character or position uh, were connected to their name. You will remember that on a number of occasions, a number of occasions, God uh, changed a person's name, their character and their position and their circumstances changed. And so their names were changed in appropriate ways, like Abram to Abraham or Jacob to Israel. In Isaiah 62.2, we read this, The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. And so it says there that we're going to have a new name, just like Abram becomes Abraham, God's people, his church. Uh, we who are believers, we're going to have a new name. Revelation 2.17 says, Who who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And so... Our circumstances are going to change as we're glorified and in the future. And God is going to give us a new name that will be appropriate for us uh, in our new state uh, of sanctification and glory. In chapter 3, verse 12 of Revelation, it says this, The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. And so when God says that he's going to have his own new name, I assume that when we are in heaven in the future, that we're going to learn things that we never have revealed to us yet about our God. And we're going to know things that we don't know now. And all that new knowledge and, and things that we will receive is going to be a part of God's new name that he has in our future. God's name is his attributes, his characteristics, his reputation and fame, his person. His name is equivalent to himself. If you would turn with me to Exodus chapter 33, it's kind of a, a classic uh, passage that deals with this. Exodus chapter 33. In verse 18. Exodus 33, 18. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, That is God, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, or Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And so Moses says, show me your glory. God says, I'm going to proclaim, your, I'm going to proclaim my name, 
and I'm going to make my goodness pass. And so we, we start to see terms that are interchangeable here. God's glory, God's goodness, God's name are all things that can be uh, used interchangeably, those terms. Now look down at chapter 34 and verse 5. Because this is what actually happens. God says, I'm going to show you my name. I'm going to proclaim my name to you, verse 19. But now down in chapter 34, verse 5, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. And so he says in verse 5 that he proclaimed the name of the Lord. But now in verse 6, it's going to tell us in more detail what was it that he proclaimed when he proclaimed God's name. Well, this is what he proclaimed. The Lord, that is Yahweh, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And so God says, I'm revealing my name to you. But then what he does is, is he basically gives Moses a list of his characteristics, his attributes, his, uh, the things that make up the character in being of God. And so we see that the name of God is really equal to what God is and his his attributes and those things that we could say that would be true about him. Now, God has also been revealed. He's also revealed many names to us in the scriptures, and they're not just titles or labels. Each one of the names that God has revealed to us are, import, are an important revelation of some aspect of God himself. Each of his names is rich and deep and significant. And when you combine them all together, they are an, an incredible display of the richness and fullness and wonder of our God. And so when we look in the scriptures and we see things like Yahweh, Elohim, Adonai, El Elyon, El Shaddai, and then all those uh, com combination uh, names that we see, there, there's probably a dozen of them uh, in the Old Testament. All of those things are revealing things to us about God, that he's the ever-living one, or that he's the powerful one, or he's the all-sufficient one, or he's the most high. Those are the kind of things that we learn from the names of God. William Hendrickson says, God's name is God himself as revealed in all his works. He's saying something there very similar to Luke 149. Mary when she's uh, saying those things there in Luke chapter 1, in verse 49, she says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And so by all God's works, all that God has ever done or said, brought together and rightly understood, is what we should say is the name of God. From the book of Psalms, just from the first few Psalms, let me read you some statements. Psalm 511, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. 
Psalm 8.1, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And a few verses later in verse 9, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 9.2, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O oh, oh, Most High. Psalm 9.10, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O oh Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And we could go on probably, I didn't count them, but probably a hundred times in the Psalms, verses that speak about God and his name and their interchangeable terms. So what do we mean when we come to our petition in the Lord's Prayer? Hallowed be thy name. We are saying that we hold God's name in reverence. We are saying that we revere God, that we honor Him, that we glorify Him, that we exalt Him. We are saying that we think about God in a different way than we do anything else. God, as I said earlier, is intrinsically holy, and we are not praying, God, you're not holy, but we, but we pray that you will be holy. We're not saying that when we say, hallowed be thy name. Instead, we are praying that God will be considered by all his creatures, by every creature, as holy. That in every place and time and circumstance that God will have his proper due and recognition. We are to be filled with a complete eagerness that the Father's name be adored and honored. And that's what we are saying and that's what we are praying for when we pray, Hallowed be thy name. Now this is the first petition in the Lord's Prayer and I suggest that it is the great petition. It is not first by accident. Thomas Watson says this, It is the first and great petition. It contains the most weighty thing in religion, which is God's glory. When some of the other petitions shall be useless and out of date, as we shall not need to pray in heaven, give us our daily bread, because there shall be no hunger. Nor forgive us our trespasses, because there shall be no sin. Nor lead us not into temptation, because the old, serp the old serpent is not there to tempt. Yet the hallowing of God's name will be of great use and request in heaven. We shall be ever singing hallelujahs, which is nothing else but the hallowing of God's name. As divine revelation, the Lord's Prayer reflects the priorities God wants us to have when we pray. And we do well to make the emphasis of Christ be our emphasis when we come to our Lord in prayer. This is where we start. This is the idea that is at the heart and foundation of all true prayer and all right praying. My God is holy and is to be honored above all things. And in that context, I ask for the things that I ask for in prayer. 1 Samuel twelve twenty two. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. For his great name's sake. The glory of God is of great importance to himself. Psalm 79 9. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. 
Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. The primary motive for atonement, for salvation, is not for the good of God's people, although the most wonderful blessings we receive, we receive from the hand of God in our salvation and in our atonement. But why does God do it and why should he do it? And why uh, does the psalmist say, save us and redeem us? For the glory of your name and for your name's sake. Psalm 115.1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Isaiah 48.11, for my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. The Westminster Larger Catechism says this in question 190. What do we pray for in the first petition? And then the answer is this. In the first petition, which is hallowed be thy name, acknowledging the utter inability and indisposition that is in ourselves and in all men to honor God aright, we acknowledge that, that we don't have the ability to honor God aright, that all men everywhere don't do that, then it says, because of that, we pray that God would, by His grace, enable and incline us and others to know, to acknowledge, and, to, and highly to esteem Him, His titles, His attributes, ordinances, word, works, and whatsoever He is pleased to make Himself known by and to glorify him in thought and word and deed, that he would prevent and remove atheism, ignorance, idolatry, profaneness, and whatsoever is dishonorable to him, and by his overruling providence, direct and dispose of all things to his own glory. I think that's an excellent answer to the question, what are we praying when we pray this first petition. We can see the seriousness of this in the mind of God by looking at the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 5.11 You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now I would suggest to you that any time that we think about God, speak about God, in any way that doesn't honor him, and revere him and respect him as we ought. We are taking his name in vain. It's the opposite of this prayer. Taking the name of the Lord in vain. Hallowing his name. These are opposites to one another. And this is something that I think is just really sad. Horrible. And, and wrong. And it's this. It is that men are taught to use God's name in cursing and profanity, but they have never been taught to speak his name in reverence or with care. If we look at the world around us, people use God's name constantly. I hear it all day, every day. People who have been taught to use the name of God in cursing and profanity, but they've never been taught to use his name in reverence or with care. It should never be like that. This model prayer teaches us that when we pray, we are to always put God's concerns before our own. 
That is, we should consider God's will and desires over our own will and desires. And when we pray this request, we are recognizing that the glory of God is the ultimate purpose of all things. And it's the, it's the goal of, of everything in our life. And all other requests must be subordinated to this one, that God be glorified and honored. We cannot pray in a right way unless the glory of God is dominant in our desires and the things that we bring before the Lord in prayer. We must not ask God for anything that would contradict His holiness or glory or honor. How do we hallow and sanctify God's name? I want to ask that question. And then I want to ask the question, how does this first petition connect with the others in this model prayer? These two questions. First, how do we hallow and sanctify God's name? Well, the first way is by believing the gospel, by professing Christ. Romans ten thirteen says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John five ten says, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself, but whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And so when we believe in Christ... We are affirming and honoring God in what He has said. But when we don't, 1 John 5.10 tells us that we are making God out to be a liar when we don't believe about the Lord Jesus Christ, what God has said about Him. Do we hallow God's name? Or do we make the God of heaven out to be a liar? Let me just quickly give you a number of other ways. I'm just going to mention them pretty quickly here. By holding God in the highest regard above all other things in our souls. In other words, do we adore his attributes? Do we adore his works, what we see him doing in creation and in redemption and in providence, including his providence in my life? Not just grand providence that we read about in the scriptures or other people's lives or things, but the providence of God in my life. What is the highest and first thing in your heart? If it's not God, then you do not hallow his name. And you need to pray this prayer, hallowed be your name, and apply it to your own heart. And frankly... Dear ones, is it not a prayer that we all need to pray often and with earnestness that we would hallow the name of God in our own hearts, that we might truly regard him as holy and first in our heart of hearts? Another way that we, uh, that we do this is by trusting God. Psalm thirty-three twenty-one: For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. We read this morning in Psalm 31.5, Into your hand I commit my spirit. We honor God when we have thoughts like that and trust Him and believe in Him. We hallow His name when we speak, always speak about God reverently. Do we casually speak God's name? Or do we carefully use God's name? 
like as I said just a minute ago, all around us, the careless and evil use of God's name, but are we careful in the way we speak? And then I'm going to throw this out here for your consideration, and I'll leave it to your own conscience. Do you say, gee, gosh, and all those kind of words that are maybe just substitutes for so that we don't quite use the Lord's name in vain? but we're really doing the same thing. I'll leave that to your own conscience. By giving him true spiritual worship, praise and thanksgiving, we are hallowing the name of God. Not going through rituals and routines, not just doing things on the outside. God's name is holy. It deserves my true worship from the heart. Another way we hallow God's name is by keeping the Lord's day holy. Do you regard God as holy? If we were to measure your regard for God versus other things by what you do on the Christian Sabbath, what would the result of that test be? We hallow God's name by giving God the honor and credit for all that we do. By giving Him the glory for everything that we do. Psalm 96, 8, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. We should never be boasting in ourselves, but always in the Lord. Just quickly, a few other things, and just in passing. We hallow God's name by obeying him and by living a careful, holy life. We hallow God's name by taking offense when others do not honor him. We shouldn't just be okay with it, that people don't hallow the name of God. We hallow the name of God by standing for the truth. And then one of the biggest things that we do to hallow God's name is by evangelizing. Because how is that prayer going to be answered in the life of an individual person? It's going to be answered if they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, if they're converted, if they become believers. And then we hallow God's name by also honoring Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now, how does this petition, this first petition, connect with the others in this model prayer? Well, the hallowing of God's name is the basis for His kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. The Father's kingdom cannot come in its fullness wherever his name is not regarded as holy. When the kingdom comes in all of its glory at the consummation of all things, the Almighty's name will be set apart as holy by all men, and, and they are going to bow and honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 Verses 9 and 11 is talking about exactly this, hallowing the name of God, when it says this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, the Lord Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What it is saying there is, is that every person, every creature is going to hallow 
the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to have a name that is above every name and it will be hallowed by all. And when it says that they're going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father, it's the same thing as saying that they're going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the hallowing of his name. And this is going to be the full answering of this first petition of the model prayer. What about asking for our daily bread? Psalm 143.11 says, For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness bring my soul out of trouble. For your name's sake, Lord, feed me and meet my material needs and, and the things that are the requirements of my physical life. What about the forgiveness of sin? That's the next petition in the Lord's Prayer. Psalm 25.11 For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. What about deliver me from temptation and deliver me from evil. Psalm 23, 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so when I pray for my daily food, when I pray that I, for forgiveness of my sins, when I pray that I will not be led into temptation, but that I will be delivered from it, I'm supposed to pray all those things with this in mind. Hallowed be your name. For your name's sake, feed me. For your name's sake, forgive me. For your name's sake, deliver me from temptation and evil and lead me in the paths of righteousness. What we think about God is everything, whether we honor him or not, how we honor him or not. And this petition brings our agenda in sync with God's agenda. It puts us on the right prayer path. Remember those things like praying according to the will of God, praying and asking in the name of Christ, asking in ways that are not asking amiss that we've talked about in earlier weeks. How do we do those things? Well, I would suggest that here is the starting point for all of those things to be brought in line for us as we pray and for us to pray in accordance with those principles of prayer. And it is to pray this prayer and to mean it, hallowed be thy name. Let me mention just one other verse to you, because here it's, we're talking about our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be, your, hallowed be your name. And let me just remind you of 1 Peter 3.15, which says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we're honoring our Father who is in heaven, but we're also to honor Christ and sanctify him in our hearts as the Holy One. God help us to pray uh, according to this first petition.